from meager beginnings as an adolescent ambulance washer in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, to a decade-long legacy of bringing you breaking news before it makes the news. Broadcasting live from the studios of Scared Monkeys Radio Network via C-band satellite W3-957, Access Communications Channel 7, and worldwide via digital streaming audio at scaredmonkeysradio.com, it's the Dana Pretzer Show. And now, your host, Dana Pretzer. Well, good evening, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy 2012. Uh, We've got a busy night ahead of us. We have Blink from our sister blog, Blink on Crime, here to uh, go over the Crime Review 2011. Happy New Year, ma'am. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you, Dana. Nice to have you on the show. Now, I happen to be sitting in front of my computer today uh, uh, working on my web blog, and I was uh, putting a video up, and I had my most revealing uh, T-shirt on to show off my man boobs, and I was flipping my hair back. Oh, moves. I'm sorry. I was flipping my hair back, and I happened to say uh, it's been a long time since I've been able to call something mine. And now I have something, even if it's silly as saying I have a computer, a camera, and a phone, and I didn't write rubber checks to get them. No. You know, <laughs> is this Jose Baez at his best uh, throwing out, or, or is it really a non-issue? I, some are saying it's Jose throwing out to see what the, what the, what the folks think of Casey and kind of getting a, a feel. Uh, I, I think it's just a dopey video, and it just shows her at her, her best or slash worst. Well, I, what I think is it's definitely her, first of all. Yep, I so do I think too. there was some concern about whether or not it was, it was actually Casey Anthony. Um, so it's her. And secondarily, I don't think that Jose it has you know hung around so much because the word on the street is that nobody, you know, he especially didn't get the numbers that he was looking for in terms of interviews for her. Yep. So yeah, I do think this is kind of a foray into the public to see what the, you know, um, I guess the reaction is going to be. Um, my my reaction to it was number one, I didn't allow the link to be posted on my site. <laughs> Good, because I'm I'm not going to promote nonsense. And my first reaction was when I was watching it, and she was saying, you know, I have this computer that I paid for, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. first of all, perhaps it's me. Maybe she and I have a very different understanding of what actually paying for something means. Right. As in, you know, it's not found money. That you pay for things, it's stuff you work for and you accumulate and that. But w- what really upset me was, she said, now, you know, I, I feel really good because I have, and I'm paraphrasing, um, you know, I have these things to call my own. They're mine. Yeah. And my reaction was, you know what, you did have something that was just yours, yep. your own, yep. your daughter, and you killed her. Kaylee Marie Anthony was yours, uh, crazy lady, and, and uh, now she's done a doopy. I don't know when this thing was, was taped. Uh, I believe it was, uh, uh, it, she talks about the date, I think it's October. Is it October? This year, sometime in October, yes. October, so we're January 5th now, and it's, it's leaked out. I, I'm not sure if it's been leaked out or if it was sent out, whatever. Never mind, it's it's uh, Casey Anthony, and, and uh, we'll talk more about her as we go through the uh, the months of the year. And, and the reason I brought you on, we do this every year, and we're going to bring on Red from Scared Monkeys a little bit later on to talk about what's going on with uh, Scared Monkeys in 2012. But I want to talk about Blink on Crime and the Crime Review of 2011. Why don't we do it this way, just start out in January. And let's talk about what happened then. Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, starting with, you know, chronologically, I guess, because sometimes they, you know, spill over. 
One of the, and what continues to be one of the largest followings of cases on my site and certainly in the forum of Scared Monkeys, is the uh, missing Kyron Horn case um, from Portland, Oregon, and a uh, a development in that case, which um, has yet to be excluded and is unresolved, is a gentleman by the name of uh, David Anthony Durham ends up shooting a police officer. Right in the face, as a matter of fact, who, who luckily has recovered and has returned. But he was, he was very critically injured. They were not sure that he was going to make it. Um, and he shot him on sight. He went to uh, cut his hair, went to a 7-Eleven. They found a, a bevy of weapons, um, uh, cash. He was anticipating being arrested. There were some signs that he was uh, degrading mentally. And the reason that it tied to Kyron's case that I can talk about publicly is because his home is located in the search grid. Right. In fact, it's across the road from a witness site, a witness sighting which has yet to be publicly confirmed, but it certainly was a, you know, a viable and credible witness sighting. So this gentleman has been missing since almost shortly thereafter. He uh, was seen, he was, you know, there was a police chase. As a matter of fact, when his home on uh, Savi Island was searched by, with, through a search warrant, someone um, in the home was taken to the hospital. I mean, they, they had SWAT out there. They had, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, deployments. But to date, in Kyron's case, we don't know if there is an actual, we don't know if he's alive or dead. We don't know if there's more of a nexus uh, to that than, you know, the obvious. And Kyron himself has not been recovered. And there has been no arrest in the case. There has been no criminal indictment in the case uh, that's been made public. And unfortunately, in June, June 4th, as a matter of fact, of this year will be the second anniversary of, of that young guy, our little red-eyed tree frog uh, dude going missing. Yeah, I remember, and you and I covered this case. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and for those of uh, the listeners that are out there either listening live or on the podcast later on or we're watching on Channel 7, wondering about Kyron Horman. Let's just give the folks just a, a quick Reader's Digest about his case. Kyron went missing from the Skyline School <clears throat> excuse me, on June 4th of uh, 2009. And he, oh, excuse me, two, excuse me, 2010. Right. Years. So he, he was spotted, um, and this is... Uh, what I would call not quite case-sensitive information because a few witnesses have come forward. Um, but there is a, uh, a gentleman suspect that was spotted with Kyron right around the time that he was last seen in the building. Unfortunately or fortunately, because we don't know yet, but um, his stepmother, Terry Horman, came under an immediate cloud of suspicion, largely because she was allegedly responsible for a murder for plot against her husband, Kane. Right. And... I mean, Dana, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't see it a lot. There was nine different federal agencies involved in this case in days. Everybody down from the DEA, FBI, ICE, which is the immunization and nationalization area. Um, I've never seen Secret Service and, and the local uh, police. This case was taken over by the DA, which... In my memory, and maybe you can confirm this, but I can only think of one case where the district attorney of the state took over the investigating powers from the municipality. Do you right. know what that is? No, it's pretty rare, and it's not coming to mind, but uh, I'm sure as soon as you tell me, it will. 
John Benet Ramsey. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it's an old one, but yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, you know, this is something, uh, and for the folks that are listening, and if you're first-time listeners, uh, Blink's uh, website, blinkoncrime.com, and of course ours is scaredmonkeys.com, we're the places that cover these stories after the uh, the mainstream media, the cable news networks have stopped. Uh, these stories are alive and well, but sadly, those that are missing may not be. But let's get down to February. A Blink from Blink on Crime is here, and let's talk about what you covered then. Well, I'm... It's a bittersweet case. This case is very, very important to me because uh, Chris George went missing yep. uh, February 11th. This year will be it, it, also in 2010 because this will be the um, two-year uh, anniversary of his disappearance and subsequent death as well this February. And it was very important to me because this was a gentleman that you know had lost his way on occasion and was, was trying to go straight, and I certainly have nothing but respect for that. Um, and I ended up meeting his mother and, and extended members of his family who had asked me for help, who, you know, the investigation was going nowhere. Chris was missing. And we worked diligently. I, I can't say enough about his family and the amount of work that they put into this case. And we featured uh, a three-part series in November of 2010. And the net result of that that I can talk about, because it is an open case in that um, there has been no determination as to whether or not it's a homicide publicly, so I've been asked not to release, obviously, certain you know, aspects of the investigation. But what was positive about it is Chris was found and recovered, and uh, a memorial service you know, took place, and those kinds of things, which are very, really very important for the family. So that case was critically important and, and, and personal for me. But you have it uh, tagged unresolved a possible homicide, right? And, and when when folks look at that, uh, maybe just explain what that means. What it means, uh, Dana, that's a very good question. Is while he's been recovered, his case for as a criminal matter is still open, right? So there's been no determination as to the what I'll call the manner of death, as to whether it was accidental. I've seen the case file, so I know that. The, ma- the cause of death and manner of death are currently listed as undetermined. And as you know, those are things that can change. And if you've got the file open and it's not been closed, that means that there's investigative work that's continuing in his case. It's my personal opinion that this was a homicide, and I believe that the evidence will net that out. Do I? Can I say with certainty that it can be prosecuted as that? I don't know the answer. Sure. I sincerely hope so, because there is suspects. Uh, which will tie into, um, you know, what you're going to ask me, <laughs> which is going to be, an, you know, the case occurrence in April of Jimmy Hadaway. Right, exactly, yep. Right. Um, he, he was not at the scene when Chris went missing that we know of, um, but he certainly was involved in uh, what I would call any type of, uh, you know, after-the-fact uh, covering up of, of what happened. And he certainly could be involved in the planning of it. We just don't know. But he was definitely there. Yeah, and, and part of the April case is uh, Tracy Ocasio, uh, yeah. something you and I talked about many times on this program. Uh, let's uh, tie this all into Hathaway if we can. Sure. And, and I appreciate you bringing them up because they are the dearest people you will ever want to meet. Liz Absolutely. and Joe are, are her parents. Yep. And as, as, you know, as bittersweet as it is, with Rachel George, who is Chris's mother, when she was going through this and Chris was recovered, unfortunately, I'm here in New Jersey. She's in Florida. I couldn't get down there fast enough. And they really stepped in to support her like I cannot tell you. I'm talking about going to the scene, 
uh, prior to, you know, we knew as, as investigators and as a family member that it was likely Chris because we knew what was found early on, and those things had to be identified by family. So there really kind of was, no, and, and, and frankly, it was the last place that he was seen. That, that lake had been searched 12 times. Yeah. So I'm not clear how he was missed. But, you know, that's for another day and another, you know, agency. But so the Ocasio's are tied into this case because Jimmy Hathaway is, is, has been declared a suspect in the disappearance of their daughter, Tracy. And we weren't sure because there's such a close, you know, tie-in potentially that it, it couldn't have been, you know, both Tracy and Chris sure. potentially that would have been recovered there. And, and they were prepared for that. We were having an ongoing dialogue about, you know, the possibility that that could be. And, you know, not for nothing, they were there every step of the way for Rachel. And I know that there are some uh, programs that are going to be featuring Tracy's case uh, in, in the spring season. That, and uh, I know that Rachel George has stepped up and said, whatever they need, I will be there. I will, you know, I'll, I'll help them and, and you know, comfort them in the way that they were able to do that for me. And I just find that invigorating in a case that is so hard fought, Dana. <laughs> You know, that is probably second to the Shetty case, one of the most difficult cases that I've worked on, where I'm interviewing people that are saying one thing. And, you know, almost everybody you talk to in this case had a criminal background. Yep. You know, they sifting through that information and getting to the heart of the matter is really difficult. So I can understand why law enforcement has a really difficult time sometimes in, with their constraints. You know, but the, but the end message is, you know, these people that are in that you know, the club nobody wants to belong to, as you and I have talked about before, really stepped in and supported each other. And at the end of the day, Tracy is still missing. Another Tracy went missing from, she was last seen with Jimmy Hathaway yep. on May 27th of 2010. So she will be missing two years come this May. Yeah. Too long. Too long. Another case, right. another case in April that, uh, that you covered was, uh, Holly Bobo, let's uh, talk about uh, that case, uh, tagged, unsolved, unrecovered. Frustrating, frustrating with a capital F. Yeah. This young woman was a nursing student her whole life out of her. She was, I'll use the word, violently attacked uh, in, in the garage of her family's home very early in the morning when she was headed out to her car. I say violently attacked because the only sign that she was violently attacked, other than a scream that was heard, was her was at the scene enough of it that her own father saw it and her own father dana bobo cordoned off the area himself not law enforcement mm -hmm. um who was the first responders were um you know the, the county responders and there was some confusion because uh her her holly's boyfriend was on a property owned not near there but by the Bobo family where he was turkey hunting. So her brother, Clint, thought she was see. He, you know, he looked out the window, saw these silhouettes, and saw blood and thought, oh, you know, he got a turkey. This is, this is farmland. These are hunting people. This is something that they, you know, people take off of a week's work to do that. It's very natural in that environment. So unfortunately, you know, this happened, and nobody got to them fast enough, and, and frankly, they were gone. But having interviewed locals, and this is such a small community, there is no more than 2,000 people in this community, and every one of them knows each other. Mm -hmm. One of the unnamed persons of interest is the grandson 
of Karen Bobo's ex-boss, who I interviewed privately. Right. And um, I mention that because she has left her position. Otherwise, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, these are, these are things that are publicly known. I mean, they're getting DNA samples from kids at a, at a diner. It really was handled poorly. The search contained folks that um, should not have been on that search. I, I, I can say this because I know that there were people that had firearms or people planting evidence. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And I don't, I, I, I'm not play, you know, pointing fingers. I think they legitimately knew that they had so much area and such rough terrain to cover. Who better than to cover it but the locals? But as you know, sometimes, if, you know, this is kind of a local situation that doesn't always work out. So they stopped those searches. And frankly, there's been no evidence and no new leads in her case since Easter. Right. None. And I've seen her family interviewed. I think they've done a good job at um, talking about, you know, their, their side of the story. And to their defense, I will also say that the initial interviews and that the te- the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation gave and the initial press conferences were skewed to the potential of a suspect listening. So as you know, they'll sometimes ask a family not to speak and they'll and they will recount what they want a suspect to know and or hear. And I understand that philosophy, but I think the family kind of was at a situation where they're not being told anything and they're not being updated. So they kind of felt, well, you know, we'll try it our way a little bit. And I do understand, but there has not been, no, nobody knows where this girl is. And, and for the folks, again, that are listening, go to BlinkOnCrime.com and you'll be able to uh, just go into the archives and you'll be able to look at all of these stories. Of course, May was when uh, Osama bin Laden uh, went to uh, the his so-called promised land. But let's jump into uh, Casey Anthony. Uh, we talked a little bit about her uh, her web video uh, this morning uh, that was released, uh, her acquittal. Uh, Jeff Ashton and I uh, had a little conversation about her a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to that interview or not. I did, and I want to apologize for not being able to. That oh. might be the only time I've ever said no because yeah. I had a scheduling conflict. I appreciate being invited, and I'm sorry that I couldn't be there because it was really an important show for, for me to be on, so I do apologize. For Interesting. That. When I asked him if he had any political aspirations, he he paused for a second, and then he said he's busy with his book tour. But now we hear uh, that uh, Jeff is actually uh, going to run for office, and I think that's great. Let's uh, spend some time on Casey Anthony. I, I like Jeff very much. He's not going to win. Yeah. <laughs> I really do like him very much. Um, well, probably um, what I would call the flagship case of my career. Yep. Um, and... That little girl will pro- is near and dear to me, and will be, you know, till till the day I take my last breath. That's for sure. No, nobody thought it was going to go the way that it did. Although, uh, I'm not talking at a school when I say I had some very serious, and, and you can read it in in my work on the case. I had some very serious concerns that this was the slam dunk that everybody thought that it was going to be, and it, it as it turned out. And I'm in no way saying, hey, you know, Blink was right. <laughs> I don't think it took a rocket scientist to see where, you know, the holes in the dike were. They were still wide open when, you know, court was in session. And I, it's disappointing because I, I truly believe that whether or not Casey Anthony, uh, with malice, murdered her, her daughter, 
I truly believe she's responsible for her death. Oh, there's no doubt. And and you and I did many, many shows, and, and I did many, many interviews, not just with you, but with others, covering this case. And I'm sure it'll continue to, to continue with the press. Uh, there's some civil litigation that's floating around out there. And, of course, the whole Casey, uh, uh, my term, pimping herself uh, it to the media, but nobody really wants to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But, I, again, I think the, the question is, is you know, the jury system itself blank. And uh, the questions that came up after that, uh, I think the Jackson case was after uh, Anthony, and there was some questions right. in that one. Uh, no comparison as far as cases go, but how much damage or how much uh, question uh, to the jury system was there after the Anthony case? For the Anthony case specifically, I can tell you that, in my opinion, that jury did not do its job. No. And I'm not pointing a finger at anybody individually. I'm saying somewhere they did not understand the charge. They did not understand the instruction. And, you know, as a a 30,000-foot view, high-profile cases... And you and I have talked about this. High-profile cases do not lend itself to sequestered juries and this process. They just don't. Um, you know, you saw it. As soon as the verdict came down, you had people all over, you know, television. They were, you know, the press was holding them up at, at Disneyland. And they're not stupid. They saw this girl. You know, they were honest. You know, they read some of the press. But Cantony will stand to make, and, I, and I'm going to say conservatively, well over a million dollars well over a million dollars by the time this thing is said and done. And that is conservative. That doesn't count all the people around her, her family, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And when you have uh, folks that you're going to ask them, you know, in their, you know, moderate lifestyle to go without a pay for nine weeks and not be with their families and, you know, have a completely unnatural life, if you will, for that amount of time, when you're under that type of scrutiny, I mean, there's, you know, there's deputies with them basically 24-7. It's just unnatural, and it doesn't, I don't think it lends itself, and I think if you look at every uh, every high-profile case, you can see where that's a mess, where that does not work out. I mean, people sense it, they smell it. I recall um, when they had the entire day in the voir dire portion of the case because there ended up being a Texas EquiSearch volunteer in the jury pool who spent her entire morning telling everyone in the room <laughs> her experience in the case. I know. God. And what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. They were just, they dismissed 60 people. Oh, I know. And said, you know, sorry. I think they, they, they had a valiant effort, but overall, you know, from a strategy perspective, and this is, you know, I'll be open and honest with you about what bothers me more than anything. The amount of work that went into this case, and I'm not just talking about, you know, finding Kaylee, her recovery, uh, you know, interviewing witnesses. I'm talking overall, you know, six you know, high-level senior investigators within Orange County Sheriff's Office. I'm not just talking the FBI or the, you know, the crime scene techs or the, you know, um, the Dr. Vasses and, and the Dr. Haskells of the world who are pioneers in their field. Bar none, they just are. Um, I'm, I'm used to a success story at the end of this, you know, to be able to say, look, we all work together and this is our end result. And that didn't happen. Yeah. My task 
I felt from the beginning is to is a couple things. Is one is to is say, look, that's the way it is sometimes. Here's what you do. What did you learn from it? What's your takeaway? What as as law enforcement professionals and what as investigators and what as you know advocates? What do you need? What do you need to glean from that so that you can feel good? about the next case that you follow or the next case that you investigate because there has to be that and you don't hear a lot of that going on publicly and i'm 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 hopeful that you will at some point when i i read jeff's book and and it's a great book but for somebody that knows the case really really well it's a rough read (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i mean yep if i can recite everything it's hard for me to get through those portions of it. Yep. If you don't know the case that well, it's fantastic because it's very thorough. Sure. But when when going through it, what I would have loved is the you know what I'll call the back room conversations, yep. the come to Jesus meetings where they were you know yelling and car- that I'm aware of by the way, <laughs> they're yep. yelling and carrying on about well this is my idea about how we should approach it. That's the things I think that people, from a human perspective, want to hear. I want to know how hard they fought, and I want to know, you know, if they maybe made a different decision going forward in a different case. Because as you and I are going to talk about, do you see how many of these cases are unrecovered and unresolved? Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Blink from Blink on Crimes here. And uh, we're uh, talking about the Crime Review 2011, Blink's uh, website, blinkoncrime.com. Let's get into June and talk about Christine Shetty and Jackie Waller. Well, we'll start with Jackie Waller. Jackie Waller is a wife of a former law enforcement officer, and, and I call him a con man because he is. Yep. Uh, he's being sued uh, federally and civilly uh, for millions because he was also a contractor. She went missing from his home. He's actually, Clay's actually in jail right now because he threatened his sister-in-law, and he had pending charges against the former girlfriend that he was involved with at the time of Jackie's disappearance. He had confessed, according to his father, that he killed Jackie. She has not been recovered. But he's also in the same jurisdiction that he worked as a law enforcement officer. So you know how that can go. Yep. This guy really knows his his stuff. I'm very hopeful that she'll be recovered. But again, you know, there's been no new leads in her case whatsoever. I, I don't know that I understand it. We're not really hearing any updates. And he's in jail. My concern, honestly, was for his stability when they have young children that are involved. Because, as you know, that's, you know, in, in, in what you can fairly identify, an unplanned homicide means somebody snaps. Yeah. You know? And if they could snap in that juncture and they have nothing to lose, especially their liberty, you know, you have to be very concerned when the children are involved. So, and I had a heightened sense of that in this case that he was capable of, of harming others. So I was glad to hear that they were able to. This is a success for law enforcement. If they couldn't find Jackie, they were able to work within the system to get him where they need him so they can concentrate on her case. Uh, I give him kudos for that. Okay. There's been no new leads. Quick comment on, on the uh, the police aspect of this. I'm talking about his uh, association mm-hmm. as a police officer and the rogue cop stories that we heard of in, in 2011. Uh, you know, Drew Peterson among them, even though that goes... <laughs> he's, he, is, he is a Drew Peterson incarnate without he, the mustache. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and, and the the media, and of course I'm biased when it comes to this, and I'll admit that right away. The, the media will focus on and keep calling them officer, keep calling them Sergeant Drew Peterson, even though he had been let go from the police force a long time ago. Um, I know you have that higher standard to live up to when you're a police officer, but is it fair for how the media treats this because they are ex-cops? In that they pay them overdue respect, you mean? Right. No. I mean, I think everybody has to be careful of, and, and I guess we should establish that there's two different uh, type. you know, an investigative journalist such as myself, yourself, read in, in forums where we have a little more latitude as opposed to somebody that's working for a, co- you know, a reporter that's working for a copy editor. Let's be honest. They're not investigating anything. They're, they're given their copy. And I don't, I'm not making them wrong. Right. I'm just saying they get their copy gets approved and that gets generally done through an editor who if there's any legal concerns it doesn't get published. I know this because some of my work has been requested in various different times where they've they've said we'd love to use your stuff but can we change this this and this. <laughs> I'm like no, I really can't because it is what it is. But it, so I'm just differentiating that way. So there is more latitude for us to say, you know, here's what it is. Plus, plus there's more investigation done. Like where, when you talk about scared bunkers, you talk about some of the various forums. As you know, when when some of these uh, these crimes come up or they hit the news in, in in a day, you know, they'll have an investigate. You know, they'll have the guy's discipline record sometimes sure. <laughs> yeah. on the web, and so sometimes there's more information to comfortably say that. But I have not personally, you know. I think what you do is an incredibly difficult job, and the people that do it well should command respect. Right. I think the people that, and deserve it, and should get it, I think the people that were not successful necessarily at it, and that's because of some nefarious reason, are no different than anybody else that I would say, you know, isn't worthy of respect in, in, a, in a former position. I don't personally feel that, you know, I, in my opinion, this is somebody that has law enforcement technique training. Sure. I worry about that individual knowing what, you know, and, and, and in a way it's come true because the two people that we just referenced, Clay Waller and, and Drew Peterson, have missing spouses in, in, with a law enforcement background. But they don't deserve the title after they have, uh, you know, the Greta Van Susteren calling Drew Peterson, Sergeant Peterson, Sergeant Peterson, Sergeant Peterson, I think is playing on that a bit. And she could say former police officer Peterson right. if she right. wants to. But that's just me. That's a bugaboo with me. Let's let's talk about Christine Shetty. This this June, um, her one of the um, suspects in her case uh, was tried and convicted uh, for murder, uh, Justin Hayes. He was about, I think he was 16 or 17 when this occurred, uh, and he did get a life sentence. I'm so very, again, it's a flagship case for me. It was one of the very few that, um, you know, again, the family came to me and said, look, we're, we're at an impasse. We don't know where she is. We don't know what happened. Nobody's helping us. Police, you know, they say she ran away. You know, this, that, and the other thing. And I can say, as much as I hate to do it, the investigators of this case were fired off of this case yeah. as a result of our work. They just were. And when I say as a result of our work, it's because when you tell a parent 
certain things were done and interviews were had, and the primary witness in the case two years later was interviewed by me first. <laughs> That's a problem. That is a problem, yep. Um, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful we were able to recover Christine. She was recovered in February of 2010, but it, it wasn't until uh, the heat from some other charges and, and, and from, from this work came down where we, we had a confession. And I'm thankful, but there are two people that, in my mind, are primary suspects additionally in this case that have not been prosecuted yet. And I, I'm hopeful that that will happen. When you talk about cases like this, uh, Blink, and Blink from Blink on Crime is here, uh, five parts on Christine Shetty, and when you're focusing on that case and doing five stories, you know and I know that there are 15 other stories that are out there. It's got to be so difficult to choose. It's so, you know, it so is, because I really, I would help anyone that asks, and I really, but I, I've come to the, to the sense that I know when we can, our resources can make a difference in a case or it can't, if that, if that makes sense. I, I get a sense, and we I evaluate as a team, if we can provide any sort of impact. Um, a, a recent case, which I don't want to bring up in the middle of this conversation, we'll talk about it at the end, but I had to really say, I, I'm willing to tell you what I think, but I'll be honest with you, I, I think this is what it is, and there's nothing I'm going to be able to, to bring to bear that sure. will help you. Yeah. But to your point, yes. And, 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 and a lot of times I don't cover some of what I'll call like the big breaking, you know, two-day news. Sure. I'm not turning my front page as much because the work that goes into this is, is really kind of unbelievable unless you've actually done it. You know, you can't, uh, you have to check every fact. I mean, and the access that I had in Christine's case in particular, I, the trust that I was given from her family and to go through every single one of her email accounts. I, I, know, I knew this girl at the end of this day, and I knew that she was a victim. And, and, and so for me, that type of um, personal relationship with a victim is helpful for me to, to kind of see the situation through their eyes and what they would or wouldn't have done. In her case, I spent a day with a colleague at this farm, and I'll call it the hellhole because, honestly, Dana, I mean, like a movie, when we were driving down that long, you know, uh, winding driveway, there were buzzards <laughs> swirling over the top in, in a very clear day. God. It was 105 oh, degrees with 40-mile-an-hour winds. Oh, good. And when I say that, I mean, sweat... <laughs> <laughs> we're on a farm, you know, on a farm in the in the raging sun, and we were we were searching it, and we were investigating it, and we were, you know, we we actually did find, uh, you know, evidence, right, and turned it over to law enforcement. But the point, it had such a aura. I'm I'm not probably articulating it as well as I should be. Um, it, it just there was it was clear to me that girl died there. It was just clear to me, and as as it turns out in the confession, we were right. She was killed there, and she was moved. I mean, I stood on, I stood where she died. Mm -hmm. And I'll never, the stuff that, that stays with you in these cases is the supreme respect you have for that, because there's nothing in the world that can humble a person more than that understanding, that that experience happened. Uh, and I wish we had the time and opportunity, as you say, to do it for every case. I don't, 
I don't really feel like we pick cases as much as they pick us. There you go. I like that. I like that. That is so true. Blink from Blink on Crime is here. Let's jump up to July. Uh, Selena Cass, uh, important case. Another one. Um, this child, God bless her, she was recovered uh, in a water treatment area. Her stepfather is the prime, is an unnamed primary person of interest. And one of the things I think the state attorney did right is they were honest. They said, you know what, we, we, don't, we don't have enough to prosecute this case. And it's heart-wrenching because this young girl, you know, was very well-liked, was loved. She, she wasn't what I would call, you know, in an advantaged family. She, she was in, a, in what I'll call a blended family. And, and this guy has some major emotional and mental problems. As a matter of fact, when he was told that that's where they were going to search, and I do believe this was deliberate on the behalf of law enforcement, he had a mental breakdown in public and was, was hospitalized. His, his wife, Selena's mother, left him as a result, is not living with him, but there has been no prosecution in this case. There has been no cause of death, and, and, and unfortunately, I think that's the problem. Yeah. I, I do. I think that, you know, the problem becomes, yes, you know, we can't determine a cause of death. We can say clearly, you know, if she didn't drown, somebody put her in this water. Sure. If, you know, for, for a reason to, but, but are we going to start the clock on, you know, uh, an um, improper burial charge? Yeah. You see what I'm getting at? Oh, I see, yeah. They, their hands are tied. You know, yeah. are, are we really going to try and prosecute somebody? Is that, that's not our goal. We're going to try and, you know, how, how do we feel good about that when we have a murdered girl? So, you know, again, just a sad, sad testament to what some people are getting away with. And, and it goes back to, and I believe this entirely, the Casey Kaylee Anthony case. Yep. Her acquittal will resonate in the legal community like you've never seen. And you won't see because people aren't going to talk about it. They're not going prosecutors aren't going to say, listen, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be Linda and Jeff. I don't want to be standing up there with my mouth gaping open going, really? Three <laughs> years? <laughs> really? And you're convicting her of lying, which everybody knew? I, or, you know, the millions that go with it? These are real issues. They're not, you know, I, it's not like a case where you can be idealistic. Communities only have so much money. You know, the Casey Anthony case nearly bankrupt Orange County. Yeah. It, it's just reality. And so when I, when I say, you know, that effect is going to reverberate, it is. And that's not just, it's from defense attorneys who are, you know, first year lost, you know, at, first year out of law school, passing the bar going, wait a minute, I can become a criminal defense attorney. You know why? Because I'm going to take a whole high profile, high profile case. I'm going to call, you know, ABC when I can determine that, you know, it's the right case that's going to get a lot of media exposure, I'm going to offer my legal services, and then I'm going to get an exclusive interview, which will pay me more in one sitting than I would have been paid in my first three years, which yeah. would all go to my school loans. Yep, yep, that's it for sure. It is, and it's wrong. No, you're right. And speaking of uh, media coverage and an important case, we get into August and West Memphis 3. Uh, there's one we talked about quite a bit. Uh, r- remind the folks about it, a, a very important case. It is. Um, three young young eight-year-old boys were murdered uh, in West Memphis on a ditch bank, really, uh, and left in a ditch uh, concealed in uh, on May, I think it was the 4th, excuse me, it's June 3rd, I'm wrong, uh, of 1993. 
And very quickly, almost immediately, a suspect emerged uh, by the name of Damien Eccles. And ultimately, uh, you know, speed this up a bit, uh, Damien Eccles, Charles Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly were separately convicted of the boys' murders. And uh, that, was, that took place in 1994. Through a Rule 37 hearing that, as you can see, and the multiple appeals that were afforded to Damien Eccles because he was given a death sentence, uh, there was a misinterpretation of evidence because of a Supreme Court uh, adjustment, I want to say 2006, which allowed them some, an in, some uh, new testing. Well, ultimately, because it was uh, misread or misinterpreted, if you will, by the circuit court, the Supreme Court went back and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to entitle you to a new evidentiary hearing across the board of all evidence. And as a result, a determination will be made whether or not you can secure a new trial. But as of today, you don't get a new trial. You get a new evidentiary hearing. That was the ruling. So it was partial remand and partial decline of the motion. Ultimately, what happened is the uh, Scott Ellington, the prosecutor who had had this case, had not done any work on this case, hadn't even read all of the files. He hadn't, didn't have it for 18 months. Agreed to a defense proffered agreement where all three would plead guilty via an offered plea, which would mean they could literally walk in there and say, yes, we did it, we're guilty, and walk out and say, we, you know, we just said that we were guilty because there's a reasonable expectation that they had enough evidence that a jury could find us guilty. If you can imagine the slap in the face that that was to the parents, yeah. I've, I've corresponded with them. I can tell you that it was a very dark day. They yeah. were not consulted. Yeah. They were consulted and told, here's what we're doing, and you don't have any say. So I'm really just telling you this yeah. so you can kind of not you know, hear it on the street. And it, it, it takes your breath away when you hear that. And uh, you have to. Dana, I, t I covered that case in two. I, I profiled that case. It took me weeks and weeks and weeks to go over it. And two days after it appeared, there was a deal. Yeah. It is my firm opinion, and I'll say this, you know, again, till I take my last breath. There was a holdout. Jason Baldwin refused to plead to the Alfred plea. In our work, we discovered what we believe uh, was a potential murder weapon that was pretty much overlooked. We don't know why to this day. But it was an ice axe, and I profiled that in my piece, and two days later he changed his mind. Yeah. So the burden of that to me, you know, it was, I can remember having a conversation with, with some of my contacts and going, I mean, was that kind of the goal? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like that. I, I wanted to be like everybody else. You know, I wanted to investigate the case and say, they're not guilty. Go, you know, go make your new movie. <laughs> Go make your this. Invite me to the previews. I, I want to be. I want to be one of those people that says, yeah. "Look, the system doesn't work." Yeah. In theory, I have to say, in fairness, the case itself and the investigative techniques that were available at that time, I don't know that I could have convicted the, all three of them. Sure. Yep. I, I think that's a fair statement to say that, based on the face value. But what I wanted was the opportunity for all of the evidence to be tested under today's techniques and, and for, you know, every movie star that, that said, yeah, you know, they didn't do it, 
when you asked them what evidence excluded them, they didn't understand that there wasn't any. In fact, the partial DNA compositions that were that were developed because they weren't full they weren't full profile included all of them. There was no exclusion, and there was fiber and blood evidence that again it was partial that was attributable to separately all three individuals. So, under Arkansas statute, a circumstantial case in its entirety is to be given the same weight as a physical case, physical evidence offering. And my, my feeling is that the circuit court fully usurped the, the Supreme Court. That wasn't what the motion said. Scott Ellington didn't have the authority to make that decision, but at the end of the day, you know, the Supreme Court isn't barking. They're not saying anything, and, you know, I just recently had to post a letter from uh, Todd and Diana Moore, who was uh, Michael Moore's parents, who was one of the victims, to, you know, Ampus to say, please don't, you know, please don't consider this documentary Paradise Lost Purgatory for an Academy Award. Exactly. Exactly, and uh, you know, you know that, that's a, another show that we could do. Probably spend a whole hour more on West Memphis, but I want to jump ahead a little bit. In September, you covered Susan Powell, October right. Karen Swift, but the one I want to spend a little bit of time on is ten-month-old uh, Lisa Irwin. Uh, right now, besides uh, our old friend Joe Tacopina getting involved, we really haven't heard much more about it. No, and you won't. I, I have very bad feeling about this case. I, I mean, I, I've got. I know that I got a call very early on privately um, about dealing with, uh, as soon as, you know, Taco reared his head, you know, this municipality knew that this could go the way of of Casey Anthony. Mm -hmm. It had, you know, the staying power from the media, and there was rights monies paid. Same thing. You know, they watched the kid, the, the, the Irwin children, actually is one Bradley child and one Irwin child, they're, they're a blended family watched him go um, uh, trick-or-treating one night that was featured on Guess Who? Good Morning America. Right. Checkbook journalists stopped that, that we're familiar with. Yes. So my advice was, I'll tell you what you do, is, is um, file for a guardian ad litem for Lisa. I was told that that occurred. So that while they can't you know, sell any of her images, you won't, you won't see them of her. That was unsuccessful in the other children, and that's why that occurred. Now, more importantly, Joe Tacopino was not licensed to advise this client when he was out there. And I, I, I called him out and said, listen, you don't have a pro hoc vice with anybody. If you recall, the initial lawyer got fired. Right. And that's why. Because the law states that you have got to... Uh, be in close proximity and almost in constant communication with the local law- lawyer when you're not, when you don't have a, a, a pro hoc vice motion. You can operate with that one to a, a certain period of time, but you have to, there's certain protocols that you have, to, and you cannot be on the news giving what's called, you know, influential sort of testimony about, you know, end results or, or, or you know, snippets from the case. Well, that's why he, you don't see him, and that's why he stopped giving a public appearance, because he was called out. So the good news from that is, you know, strategy, from a strategy perspective, you have to think about if that's going to happen in a case, you know, how do you smack back? 
as, as a law enforcement agent because you can't, they can't go on TV and say he's wrong, he's lying, he's this, he's that, and the other thing. They can't have that conversation publicly or privately when it comes to a, a, you know, somebody that's retained counsel. With regard to the case, you know, my sources are telling me, short of recovering Lisa, and there is a high probability that this child uh, is, is in going to end up or is uh, in, in, a, in the landfill that they search six times. And unfortunately, it's one of those, it's one of those issues. Yeah. They have a, a cell phone. You know, she lied. I mean, she certainly lied. She said that the, the phones were stolen, and it was you know, proven that there was text messages given at a certain time uh, for a, a young woman who said, I don't know who has the phone. We live in a house of seven. I don't know who answered on who this. I don't believe her for a second. I believe she knows more. In fact, her uh, boyfriend at the time was, was then arrested for tampering with a car. Yeah. yeah and yeah. We, we discovered some information from Craigslist which I did not publish, that we gave to law enforcement. And I know that the, uh, the seniors in their law enforcement agency did reach out to Orange County Sheriff's Office as kind of a, hey, how do you deal with a high-profile case? Can you give us any tips kind of thing? Sure. Um, which, which I think is great. But, again, I have no confidence this case is going to be resolved without a recovery. Well, it, it, it is interesting, and I want to remind the folks that uh, you can go to BlinkOnCrime.com and learn more about these cases, and, and that's the great thing about Blink, is she covers the cases that the other media organizations stop covering. And uh, let's finish off with December, and we're going to take a quick break then. Uh, of course, uh, Sandesky and uh, that disaster. Uh, let's let's spend a minute on that, and uh, you know it just makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It is a uh, disaster of many proportions. Uh, it is. It, We're going to talk about this many times this year. Oh, uh, sure we are. Yep. There is no way a organization an organization is formed, a charity is formed in 1977 yes, by geez. this man, whereby victims are groomed. Multiple, multiple victims uh, for alleged pedophile acts. And I do believe that happened. And I do believe there are other, you know, if there's eight victims, or in this case, ten that we know of, there's a hundred. Absolutely. And in that instance, when when you take the time in that era, if you will, to formulate the perfect plan for grooming victims, and he did, there's a bigger... Um, there's a bigger commune, there's a bigger need than one guy. And if you take a look, and, and we have, and this is something we're going to be featuring in the first quarter, in that area, in that, you know, 1977, 1978, you will be shocked and amazed at the rings of pedophilia of young boys throughout this country and the arrests that were made and the lack of prosecution for very wealthy, high-end businessmen that are now today coming back as prosecutions because they've gotten caught in a time where, you know what, There's, you know, we're, a, we're a, a, a web-based society. We're a public society. You get arrested, everybody knows it in 10 minutes. You make an allegation, everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, lawyer, this, that, other thing. So my point in saying that is while it's, you know, it's disgusting and, and it's you know, incestuous, you know, yesterday we reported that Gary Schultz, who is, you know, just held over for his indictment was held over for trial on perjury is the director of the insurance company 
that's paying his legal bills. Oh, my God. Isn't that something? Jeez. So we're going to talk about this probably in, in, the, in the next year. Absolutely, we will. Let's blink uh, with the Crime Review 2011. Listen, stay on the line. I'm going to get the uh, top banana from Scared Monkeys on here, uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's in the uh, future for uh, your blog and his. Uh, this is the Dana Pretzer Show on Scared Monkeys Radio. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. This is Scared Monkeys Radio. I'm not sure why I always play a binge-drinking PSA just before I bring this next guy on, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Red, how are you? I'm doing well, Dana. How are you? I'm Happy fo- New Year. I'm fine. I know you're not feeling well, and I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, but uh, for those of you at BlinkOnCrime.com and uh, and ScaredMonkeys.com, Red is the um, the owner. Uh, he's a uh, does a lot of political work, and of course, he's been covering missing person stories for quite some time. Uh, you know, Blink and I have been going through the, the we call it the Crime Review 2011 the stories that uh, she and I and and you have all covered. Uh, but what I thought I'd bring you on for Red is to talk a little bit about 2012 and Scared Monkeys and and what you have planned. Well, hopefully, uh, health health permitting. Um, we, will, we hope to do a lot of what we have done in 2011. Obviously, you know, in the United States, 2012 is a big political year, so that's going to probably dominate a lot of the news as well. But before I say that, let me just um, make a comment, because I was listening to uh, you and um, Blink talk about everything, and what an amazing job she does. Absolutely. <laughs> Over there, kudos is all I have to say, because thank you. we just don't get that kind of... Um, we don't we don't get this kind of information in the news anymore. Sure don't. And it's kind of and it's and it's sad that uh, and it just goes to actually we see what one person can do and and, and I think it's just amazing. I really do. Yep, I agree. And I sincerely appreciate another, that, but if you don't mind me saying, it, I'm not just one person. I get I get help. <laughs> you know what I and, and you know what I mean. It's one person. Right. I just don't want to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. It's it's all of the all of the troops over there at Blink on Crime and and actually I was I had was reading about this today Dana and I thought and I was thinking about you when I um when I was reading it that and Blink had kind of touched upon it as well about the amazing work that you do as a police officer I mean in 2011 we actually had more people um, die in the line of duty than uh, I think it was since 2007. Right. And even just last night, or, or, or yesterday, um, <clears throat> police officers, officers in Ogden, Utah, died. And it just is amazing how you guys put your uh, life on the line all the time with the work that you guys do. Kudos. Well, I appreciate it. And and, and again, um, this is Rad from uh, Scared Monkeys, and you, uh, along with Deb and uh, and everybody else uh, that works at Scared Monkeys, are very uh, diligent in bringing the stories. Uh, I call it, and you've heard me say this before, Main Street Media rather than mainstream media. We bring the stories that the other uh, folks aren't able to do. There's a lot of copiers, uh, but the originals, uh, I've got the two of them on the phone here right now. Uh, so, yeah, political uh, stuff, Red. Uh, uh, you know, you and I could give Barack Obama a lesson on uh, how to do a webcast. Apparently, he's not very good at doing that. Uh, but uh, besides that, there's a lot of missing person stories, a lot of high-profile crime stories, uh, giving a voice to those that aren't able to get it. Uh, what will we be looking forward to in, in 2012? From uh, We'll start with Red and then Blink. 
Well, we have actually been, um, we had brought up an issue of one of the missing women, a missing woman that's in um, Ocean City out in California, and all we've gotten is consistent emails that there's no coverage on the case. And it was something that I was actually going to email both you and Blink about to see if um, we couldn't help the, help the um, family in some way, because once again, it's just one of those cases where, you know, if it's not that high-profile case, if it doesn't fit the media um, image of what they think is going to work, it you know some of these cases just tend to get forgotten. And hopefully, in this coming year, with a little bit of um, help from someone who we just brought on that is a tech savvy person, we're going to try to implement a little bit of uh, different ways to uh, maybe put the news out a little better um, and hopefully, like I said, just continue to do the work that, you know, we've always done in the past, <clears throat> you know, and in some ways get back to our roots. <clears throat> Absolutely. Blink, uh, what's and coming I'm up? Sorry, and I'm so sorry because like I said, I, I obviously have pneumonia. I know, I know you're not, fe- I know you're suffering not feeling a little bit here. I'm trying to get through. I would have loved to have done the, yep. the show the entire hour. It's just uh struggling a little bit. That's fine. Blink, what will we see in 2012? Well, I'm enthusiastic for a couple reasons. One, I think we're going to be doing some more location work, um, similar to some of the stuff that we did in Shetty, but I, I that was highly edited uh, in terms of the property and things along those, uh, in some unsolved and cold case work. They are so hard. These cases are, I'll be honest with you, they're a pain and they're brutal, but the reward is also really strong when, when we're able to develop some new leads. So some you know, more visual um, storytelling will be will be accomplishing, and we're tackling some major cases. And one of the cases that I'm very enthusiastic. When I say enthusiastic, I'm not sure it's the right word, because it's you know at the end of the day, we're likely looking to recover a person. But when you know, when you work these cases, you know how important that is. So uh, in the Jennifer Kessie case, uh, will be featured, as you know, uh, in the next week, yep. um, and. We're also tackling some major cases that you have not seen new developments in. Uh, one of them would be the Oakland child killer case, which is an unsolved series of uh, child murders in 1977, circa 1978, uh, and some peripheral cases to that, which I think will be of huge interest, are ongoing stories as well. Um, but you know, I'm going to throw this out there. The Casey Anthony saga, the C-word saga, as we dubbed her, it's not over. Oh, far, um, far from it. It is not. No, we've got legislation in, in now about 48 states for Kaylee's Law, as we talked about before. I own that website, and, and we intend to make that in her honor when it's appropriate to do so. Obviously, these things take quite a while. But not just that. There's a lot of things about her case and, and the investigation into, into that case that the public has never been made aware of. So I think a lot of folks are going to find that information very interesting. Uh, I'm not interested in promoting it because of the sensationalism, but I'm interested in promoting it because you really you have to learn to look at all aspects of a case in a human being if you're going to advocate, uh, and I'm, I'm a proponent of that. So ongoing stories, some, some major high-profile things. As you talked about earlier, Dana, sometimes it takes a really long time, and a lot of my time, to work on those, so I try to parse those out. But the first thing that we have coming up that I'm enthusiastic about working on is is the missing 
case and the disappearance of Jennifer Kessie. Yep. Um, so we're hopeful that we're going to be able to shed some light and progress that case in a way that we've done that before. I'm very, very fond and respectful of her friends, her family, and, and we're just hopeful that we're going to be able to accomplish that. And hopefully, you know, our Scared Monkeys posters, our Blink posters, and, and all posters, as well as, uh, you know, Dana's listeners will be able to help us out with that. Absolutely. And that's, uh, in fact, we're planning our next show around Drew and uh, and Blink. But anyway, quickly, just before we end, Red, Blink, it's been uh, an honor and a privilege to work with you 2011. I look forward to working with you in 2012. Uh, we give, uh, not just the three of us, but everyone associated to both uh, websites and, and us, and, and we can't forget Klaus, uh, all the good work that she does. Uh, we give a voice to those that aren't able to be heard sometime, and uh, I'm very proud of that, and I want to thank you for uh, all your time. The pleasure is, is mine, and I know because Red can't speak. Is it Red, is it okay if I speak for you? Sure. <laughs> I will anyway, right? <laughs> the, the, ple- the pleasure is certainly ours, and I just, I, I'd like to give this shout out to Clisend, the editors at Blink on Crime, and the posters at Scared Monkeys, and, and, the, and the devotees uh, of Dana's, because you have a million of them. Boy, everybody knows you. Well, thank you for that. Well, and, and it, it's 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 fun, but it's also satisfying. And if it wasn't fun and satisfying, I'm not sure we'd do this. But uh, we do it for others. We don't do it for ourselves. And I think that's what's most important. Thank you, guys. I appreciate I your agree. time. Thank you, kind sir. Thank you, Dana. Take care, Red. Happy well. New Year to you. Bye bye. That's Red and uh, Blink from Blink on Crime. Uh, and that's it. That's our year in review, 2011, and uh, I appreciate that. Appreciate them joining us, and I appreciate you, the listener, and to remind you, our website is uh, www.scaredmonkeysradio.com. You can pick up the show live there and listen to podcasts and, of course, daily commentaries, and uh, we'll continue on. And uh, Blink is right. We're going to be doing more on the uh, Jennifer Kessie uh, case in the very near future. A story near and dear to my heart, a story I've covered for a number of years. I know the uh, the mom and dad, uh, Drew and Joyce, very well, and hopefully we'll get some answers into the disappearance of Jennifer. Uh, so uh, hopefully you enjoyed tonight's show, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to The Dana Pretzer Show on Scared Monkeys Radio. We invite you to discuss tonight's program with other listeners by joining us at scaredmonkeysradio.com, where you'll find program archives, links to tonight's guest websites, and further information regarding tonight's topics. Scared Monkeys Radio is a production of scaredmonkeys.com. Thanks for listening.